You may read a book front to back, cover to cover, and still miss the title verso, but not Richard Charkin, because that's where he starts reading. Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. Title Verso. By law and by tradition, every book you read will have one. Verso is Latin for reverse. The title verso is the text behind the title page including always an ISBN catalog number, sometimes the publisher's name and contact information, and occasionally details on printing history and typesetting. Critically for Richard Charkin, however, the title verso is where to find who is the copyright holder. Richard Charkin has held senior posts at major publishing houses, including Bloomsbury, Macmillan, and Oxford University Press. He is a former president of the International Publishers Association and the United Kingdom's Publishers Association. Currently, he is founder and sole employee of Mensch Publishing. Richard Charkin joins me today from London. Welcome to Velocity of Content. It's a pleasure to be here, Chris. Pleasure to see you and talk to you. The very same, and we're very happy you can join us, Richard Charkin. You recently wrote for Publishing Perspectives about your obsession with this most boring bit of any book. So what exactly is the attraction for you of the title Verso? Well, I suppose it is about people's perception of what publishers do. There is, if you read the media, the general mainstream media, there's something about publishers as stars, as sort of literary creators in some sort of way. I've, I've always felt the opposite. The authors are the stars. They are the literary creators. We are, as publishers, lucky people to be between them and their audience and to help them. But never lose sight. Publishing is a business. Books are a business. And like if you were to buy a car. It's true, you you might be excited by um, literature about the car, but actually you really want to know where you're buying it from, what it is, maybe what the size of the engine is. It's it's not a creative thing, it's a factual thing. And um, the title verse of a book is like the descriptor of a car. It tells you the size of the engine and where you bought it from and who owns it in terms of its intellectual property. And a title verso is as fundamental to a book as the cover, the end paper, and all the printed pages between them. Yet the title verso is not fixed, but has evolved over past decades. Tell us the ways that it has changed, Richard. Well, if you look at books from, say, the 19th century, almost certainly there will be almost nothing on the title verso page maybe the name of the publisher, uh, and that's about it. Now, um, particularly books that come from the bigger uh, conglomerated publishers, the slews of information, it's uh, published by John Murray, part of Ashette Book Group UK, part of Ashette Book Group France, part of, I don't know who, um, but they will list it all, uh, and very showy it is. The other change that's happened is a real focus on both the copyright owner and the moral copyright owner, those two distinctive categories of being an author. So, again, like the car, I want to know whether it's a BMW or 
and a Ford Mustang. Um, and the copyright line tells you that. All rights reserved. There it is in the copyright line. It's not the publisher's book. It's the author's book or the copyright owner's book, whoever that might be. And that tells you something. Take us on a tour, Richard Charkin, of two contrasting copyright pages, from a 1964 Jonathan Cape edition of Hemingway's A Movable Feast to a hardback edition in the United Kingdom of Donatart's The Goldfinch, published a half century later. There's quite a lot of difference in terms of the amount of verbiage on the, uh, the later book. But something interesting, in both cases, the copyright is not in the name of the author per se. It's in the name of the author, Company Limited, or whatever. I can't remember off the top of my head. So what they're saying there is the copyright, the author has actually granted the copyright to some other entity, presumably for tax or other reasons, I don't know. But that that tells you something in itself. If I would, I have written a book. If I would to write a book, it would be in my name because there's absolutely no point by putting that into a tax creation. It's, it's just me. But those two are both very successful authors and clearly they, they had to deal with this in some way or other. I suppose the other thing was that um, the original was just one publisher. I mean, it was an independent publisher. Jonathan Cape was a standalone publisher in London. The uh, the later book was part of a conglomerate, and it shows. You can, you can feel the difference. Um, I'm not saying one is better than the other. They're just different. Well, I think in the case of the 1964 edition of the Hemingway book, it was copyright in his estate. And so I think that makes the point that copyright is something which even lasts beyond the author's life. Well, way beyond. I mean, uh, under current legislation, 70 years beyond which incidentally is for English language publishers and authors is the greatest protection we could have. It is why publishing companies, frankly, why publishing companies very rarely go broke. They get bought (laughs) before they get broke. And um, the reason that they get bought is because the intellectual property which they control one way or another, has a value of at least 70 years and possibly, I always think of J.K. Rowling, please God, she lives for at least another 30 years, (laughs) which gives um, Bloomsbury and Scholastic roughly 100 years uh, to maximise revenues on her behalf, or her state's behalf is something else. But of course, it's... it's, um, most authors don't think they're going to die in the immediate future. So the estate thing comes up relatively infrequently. But putting it into a, some sort of company, yes. Can you decode for us the message in certain UK editions that reads, the authorised representative in the EEA is Penguin Random House Ireland? Yeah. So I don't know how, how much your audience followed the catastrophic decision of the British electorate to decide to leave the European Union, um, having been fed a bunch of lies by people with vested interests. However, assuming they are now aware that the United Kingdom is part, not part of the EU, this has erected trade barriers between the UK and the EU. 
And this is really quite um, quite heavy tax duties and an enormous amount of bureaucratic hassle. Now, I'm not absolutely certain because I'm not a lawyer, but these lines appearing on the title verso in recent years post-date the Brexit vote. And I can only assume that they're using that representative office in Ireland, because Ireland remains sensibly, incidentally, part of the EU, to circumvent the worst of these uh, restrictions. And it's very interesting how they've appeared. And EEA stands for, remind us? The European Economic something or other, administer, I don't know what it is, area, area, that's the word, um, the European Economic Area, um, which includes Norway, I think Switzerland, people who aren't in the EU but have an association, and, and Britain would benefit enormously from being part of the EEA. But really, the main thing is to get over this EU barrier. On every title, Bruce or Richard Chark, and you will see all rights reserved. Why are those three words so important to authors and to publishers? Well, I think in a way, they're more important to authors and publishers. I mean, they are important to publishers, but all rights reserved means all rights reserved. For instance, when Google decided to set up the Google Library Project, They digitized all sorts of books and said, if you don't like us to do this, tell us and we'll take them down. All rights reserved means all rights reserved. They have to ask permission before they do anything. It's incredibly powerful. And the fact that it's only three words makes it more powerful than the longest the 100-page documents you see as contracts in some case, all rights reserved. It means all rights reserved. And rights means all media. It means everything. Of course, the publisher of that edition may not have all rights in that book. The author does, which is why I say, I think in a way it's more important for the author. Richard Charkin of Mensch Publishing and columnist for Publishing Perspectives, thank you for speaking with me. Well, thank you for listening to me. I hope that all your listeners, viewers, fully understand how important copyright is, not just for the authors or the publishers, but actually for creativity, civilization. It is the single most important part of our intellectual property, and long may it reign. Well, here, here, Richard Charkin. Thank you very much again for joining me. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burris Marketing. You can subscribe to this program wherever you go for podcasts. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join me again soon on Velocity of Content.